Hey y'all, uh, this is the Detroit Bad Boys Podcast. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. I am not going to be joined by my usual co-host, Ben Gulker. Ben Gulker is out with uh, back spasms today. Get better, Ben. Um, that's definitely something that uh, I, I want to forward a message to Ben. Um, the Pistons also kind of find themselves spasming. They went 1-2 uh, and two this week with big losses to the Philadelphia 76ers and San Antonio Spurs that sandwiched a win against the Capital City Go-Go featuring Bradley Beal. That's uh, roughly what you expected out of the Pistons this week. But uh, that wasn't the uh, the record at this point for this Pistons is arbitrary. It kind of doesn't matter with the way the season is going. The, the biggest news of the week for, for this Detroit Pistons team is that Luke Kennard is out at least two weeks with knee tendonitis. He is not even traveling with the team on this uh, six-game road trip. And this is just one more injury <laughs> that the Pistons find themselves dealing with uh, this season. That with this injury, that means the uh, the entirety of the, starting, the uh, projected starting lineup coming into this season will have missed something like in the, in the neighborhood of like five or more games. That's Reggie Jackson, who's obviously been out most of the, the entire season. Luke Kennard out for two weeks. Tony Snell missed a, a week or two earlier this season. Blake Griffin, obviously. And, you know, Andre Drummond, with the whole avocado incident, uh, didn't play in uh, three or four games, which is, you know, odd for Andre. But, you know, I, I, uh, I tweeted this earlier this week, and, you know, this sometimes the basketball gods just kind of like smile on you and shake their heads sadly and say like nah you you just don't got it and so the the Pistons just they just they just didn't have it this year I think it's yeah you can definitely make the point that the the construction of a roster around guys with injury issues um, would always kind of lead inexorably to uh, a result like this but uh, you know, my counter to that is always that, uh, guys, you didn't expect it to go this wrong this early. Um, you know, Blake Griffin definitely like tore his meniscus. That was definitely an involved rehab process. But uh, the rehab process for that was always, you know, four to six weeks uh, finished with rehab, uh, allegedly, ostensibly finished with rehab before the end of the postseason and uh, should have had a fully healthy offseason to recover. Um, clearly, that hasn't been the case. Blake has been um, he's been scuffling, missed the first 10 games of the year, um, just does not have the same vertical explosion that he had uh, th- at this point last year. You do kind of wonder if, uh, if, if the losing continues and the the team kind of continues to spiral you wonder if it'll be better to just sit him down and uh, prepare to get him healthy for for next offseason maybe if you were inclined to trade him to preserve like a little bit of the mystery around what uh, a maybe healthy Blake Griffin could could get for you in a trade but no I think it's just at some point it's it's going to be uh, easier for the team to it's going to be easier to see what you've got in this team without Blake Griffin or with him just being kind of a, a veteran experienced voice uh, in the locker room. You know, Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson hurt his back. Um, Reggie has struggled with like a lot of like ankle and knee injuries. Um, the back is like is up the kinetic chain. So maybe those are related. But, you know, Reggie played all 82 games last year and you, you didn't expect him to get hurt in preseason 
you know, um, Luke Kennard had, he did have, he has had some knee troubles in the past. Uh, if I remember correctly, he had like a, he had a knee strain that kept him out of summer league his second year. And so like little, little things like that, but he's never, uh, any, oh, that's right. He, uh, he also had the shoulder issue, uh, in the early part of last season, but, uh, never had any like lower half injuries. Um, never been a guy to, to miss a ton of time. And so, uh, you, you obviously hope that he'll be back soon. Tendonitis is just the, the, the remedy for that is just rex or rest and relaxation. Um, and you know, you hope that, uh, Luke can be a more effective player, uh, especially defensively with, uh, with fully healthy and fully functioning knees. He's, he had, he had mentioned in a couple of post game conferences that, uh, he wasn't feel, uh, fully like feeling like himself. And I think that was definitely showing up uh, on the defensive end. Uh, you remember his rookie year, like he was, uh, a much better team defender than I think we anticipated. But since then his defense has kind of slowly uh, slid as his offensive responsibilities have increased. And it's definitely noticeable, especially on this team, which really lacks uh, uh, the ability to like cut off dribble penetration. Um, This team, which, you know, is only playing, you know, two guys at like six, seven with, uh, with any defensive inclination. Um, And so, you hope that you definitely hope that Luke can return to maybe being a like slightly below average defender after this after this uh, remedy with uh, with the tendonitis, uh, rather than just being like an, an awful defender, which which he had been uh, at times during the season. Uh, but yeah, like it's just really it's really rough to experience uh, like this many injuries uh, this relatively early uh, into the season. Um, so the next thing uh, I wanted to bring up was the uh, we're gonna, you know, because the season is kind of spiraling because the Pistons are in the midst of their longest road trip of the year. Like this is a good time to spin up the rumor mill, spin up the uh, the fake trade machine, spin up to to what to looking forward instead of like look uh, instead of looking in the current in the present because the present is uh, not pretty to look at. Uh, the Pistons had a rumored interest in Fred Van Fleet. That's aggregated from the the low post podcast that he had with uh, uh the toronto the toronto writer for the athletic and uh the toronto writer for the uh, toronto star um that you know uh maybe that's it's always it's easy to imagine but because of the Dwayne casey connection and the fact that the pistons need a point guard that they would be uh interested in fred van fleet um fred van fleet is 25 years old so it's not like he is so old that he couldn't be uh, part of a future iteration of the Pistons Uh, but he doesn't really fit with a rebuild which I think we are all kind of expecting after uh, after this season and uh, in that same podcast where they they mentioned that he had that uh, the Pistons had interest in Van Fleet um, they mentioned, I also said like, it's possible that like he could get maxed this off season. And I don't think, you know, after the, after the Reggie Jackson, uh, experiment, I think the Pistons are not necessarily looking to, uh, dump a large amount of money into a, a point guard, especially one of, of Van Vliet's size, um, anytime soon. And so I think that, that kind of, uh, eliminates Van Vliet. As as far as what I'm interested in, 
and you know there's there's all the other factors to consider on that front um van fleet is a really good uh defensive player and so you you expect that um if he were to form a backcourt like a long-term backcourt with luke Kennard, uh despite despite his size you would you'd think that um that backcourt like wouldn't be the the worst possible outcome uh defensively but uh the other thing, another uh, point I wanted to make is just that the Pistons have a lot of guards in the pipeline, and so it doesn't really make a ton of sense to, to target another point guard. Um, we, we Everyone is very enamored with Jordan Bone, who is uh, hurt right now, but had you know definitely shown uh, flashes of being, uh, at the very least, like an athletic and capable backup point guard uh, in the G League. Um Bruce Brown, the Bruce Brown at point guard experiment still kind of lives. Um, James Edwards of the, of the Athletic had a great story about the responsibilities that uh, Bruce is kind of having to process as a point guard and how that's going for him. I highly suggest you you check that out. But uh, yeah, the you know Bruce Brown as a point guard, Jordan Bone as a park as a point guard. Uh, when you look at uh, the strengths of this 2020 draft class. They also have a lot of uh, lead guards uh, in the in the five to fifteen range where you expect the Pistons to be drafting. Um, you know, even at the top, you have you guys like your Cole Anthony's and your Lamelo Balls. Um, you've got your Tyrese Maxey's. You've got your uh, uh, Halliburton's. You've got um, Nico Mannion. I always blank on Nico Mannion for some. I'm not a huge fan of his game, but that is an excuse. Like not remembering his name uh but you've got the you've got those guys you've got the two french uh point guards you've got killian hayes and uh, theo maladon i hope i'm pronouncing uh theo's last name uh correctly but uh you know if if you're interested in a point guard that is not currently a detroit piston or in you know in, in grand rapids or whatever like you will have an opportunity to draft one of those guys this coming off season and if you draft him is like that won't require a max contract to acquire. You, you won't be as good as Fred Van Fleet, but again, like that won't matter because this team should should be rebuilding. And so, uh, yeah, I think that uh, I think it's 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 fair to say that the the it would be better for the Pistons to have Fred Van Fleet on the team than to not have him in terms of like winning basketball games. But uh, we're all kind of. Uh, it's certain that that's not necessarily the the main like outstanding goal of this of this Pistons team, and it shouldn't be right now. The goal should be like talent acquisition and uh, and uh, capital and draft capital acquisition. And so, like I don't know if Fred Van Fleet really helps in either of those regards. Uh, Matt Matt Shook of Locked On Pistons pointed out that it's probably better for uh, this team to find the next. Fred Van Fleet then then sign this Fred Van Fleet to a max contract and I agree with that sentiment. And so now we head to the fake trade segment of the podcast. Uh Steve Henson of Detroit Bad Boys put out a very thorough, a very comprehensive piece of a bunch of fake trades the Pistons could try and pull off uh, this trade deadline. I highly suggest you go read that. Um and so what what I but a lot of those trades were based around the uh trading Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond, which are some of the bigger moves like the Pistons could make. Um, I I don't think that those moves are impossible, but I want to focus on the smaller kind of day 
the kind of role player moves that the Pistons could make simply because I feel like those moves are uh, easier to to pick off and easier to project and uh, also like easier to facilitate from a team building perspective. You know, we had Malik Rose come on the uh, the team broadcast during the Spurs game and be like, hey, we want we want everybody healthy on this team before they start making judgments. And it's like, well, Malik, like everybody keeps getting hurt. So like you and in the meantime, you're losing a bunch of games. Like, I don't think you're going to get to see this team fully healthy. Like, sorry, man. But like in the meantime, like what are we going to do? With Langston, Gall- Langston Galloway, Derrick Rose, and uh, Markeith Morris, all all dudes who can help uh, teams who are trying to make the playoffs for for relatively cheap. And so, again, in in the theme of thinking about a rebuild, um, some guys that you were looking for uh, like second draft guys when you when you're thinking about pieces uh, to acquire like in trades for established veterans. Um, second draft guys are guys that. Um, have you know fallen out of or you know highly drafted or came out of uh, college with a lot of uh, expectation and pedigree but for whatever reason one reason or another have kind of fallen out of favor with their uh, current situations and so it's uh, you're you're banking on your development ability as as a team as a a coaching staff to get maybe a guy who can unlock and, and be a lot better than uh, what he's shown currently so far in his career, and so a couple of guys like that are are Josh Jackson. Uh, I've you know if, uh, frequent Twitter followers have known that I've been trying to get Josh Jackson back in Detroit for like two years now. Um, he's playing really well for Memphis in the G League. I don't know if uh, Memphis is interested in anything the Pistons have to offer, so that's a little bit of a pipe dream, but. Uh, Josh is the kind of guy you should be thinking about when I say like second draft guy. Another guy is uh, DJ Wilson from the Bucks. Um, you think about Harry Giles from the Kings, who's kind of fallen out of favor uh, in the rotation. They signed Rashawn Holmes uh, to a free agent contract this summer, and he has kind of uh, taken over their like taken over their their long term plans as center. Um, alongside a Marvin Bagley who like slides up and down between uh, five and four. And so you, you expect a guy like a Harry Giles who uh, again was like very, very highly ranked coming out of uh, coming out of high school, um, had multiple surgeries uh, towards ACL on both knees, I believe, but uh, shown a lot of promise uh, even in his limited minutes in the NBA, but just not, uh, not a favorite of the current coaching staff, I believe uh, was his complaint there. And so, like, the, another guy Pistons should be interested in, especially if they're willing to let Andre Drummond go. Like, that's another guy. Uh, Giles is a guy who could definitely be um, a replacement level, like, NBA big and with the potential to grow because of his youth. Um, you think about a guy like uh, Malik Beasley. Uh, Malik Beasley is caught in the uh, rotation shuffle in Denver. Denver has, like, 12 playable uh, NBA guys, and... That's always a problem. Uh, Beasley is, I believe, a restricted free agent this year and has played it played really effectively last year and has continued that this year and is looking to get paid. And that's going to be tough for Denver because Denver has already paid uh, basically their entire starting lineup. And so he's, if he wants to get paid like a starter, it's going to have to be elsewhere. And so uh, you, you would expect he uh, his situation to kind of change in the in the coming months. You think about a guy like uh, like a Kevin Knox. Uh, Kevin Knox has played better since the coaching change in New York, but uh, even with better play, he's still not been a very effective player. Um, he's turned himself into like an adequate catch and shoot 
uh, three-point threat. But for a guy who was taken with a top 10 overall pick, you'd you'd hope he'd be like a little bit better than that at his size and uh, and physical potential. And so uh, the Knicks, I don't know how highly the Knicks, excuse me, I don't know how highly the, the Knicks feel about Kevin Knox right now. But uh, if he's available, I would suspect the Pistons would have interest just because, like, again, you're always looking for wings. You're always looking for uh, additional Sekus, and Knox could be on that list. Uh Another guy I brought, I've brought up on this podcast in the past is Zaire Smith. Um, Zaire Smith had a uh, he was a, a a high riser in the draft process, um, but he has not played particularly well in the G League this season. He had a a, a scathing write up on him done by John Hollinger uh, of the Athletic, um, just uh, just lambasting his basically his skill his skill level at this point in time, but. Uh, Smith has all the athleticism you could ever want out of a two guard and a great defensive disposition. But, um, you know, as as uh, fans who as Pistons fans who uh, are not advocates of Bruce Brown will tell you uh, if you're a two guard who can't shoot, that's bad. And so uh, you would expect that the Sixers are, uh, you know, not necessarily like married to Smith at this point. Uh, Matisse Seibel is playing over him and uh, you know Smith is in the G League. And so uh, you wonder if, and the, and of course we've talked about the the fake trade with Langston Galloway before. Uh, the Pistons have shooting that the Sixers could use, and uh, Smith could be a, a piece to unlock that. And uh, last but not least, uh, you have a guy like uh, Eli Okobo in Phoenix. Um, Okobo is a uh, French left-handed point guard. Um, he played pretty plays. He's gotten relatively consistent minutes this season. Um, starting with uh, the injury to Ricky Rubio, kind of elevating him in the rotation, but he's shown, uh, if nothing else, he's shown the ability to to really pass the ball, and I think that uh, you know, given more time and reps, you could, uh, and he's got the touch and the shooting ability to to be a a high level backup player. Um, I don't know again, you don't know how attached Phoenix is necessarily to him, but that's a guy, another guy I'd be kind of like interested in. Um, as we as we kind of move through these trade deadlines, and you may, you'll notice all those guys are still on uh, rookie scale contracts. I think Beasley is the oldest of them, and so like when when you're looking for a rebuild, like that's the kind of guys you're looking for. You're looking for you know, guys who have been drafted in the last three years that aren't necessarily fully in favor uh, with their current teams. So I I, uh, I sent out the call for fake trades this off season or this. Uh, this weekend, um, let's get to some some of those fake trades you guys sent me. Uh, we got the first one is the Milwaukee Bucks get Derrick Rose and Langston Galloway. The Los Angeles Lakers get Eric Bledsoe and Markeith Morris, and the Pistons get Taylor Horton Tucker, uh, Boogie Cousins, Kyle Kuzma, and Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, this uh, the reason I bring up this trade is just uh, just more generally. I think uh, there was a there's some interest in like a some sort of Derrick Rose for Cal Kuzma like headline deal. Uh, we saw over Christmas that the Lakers could really use a another primary ball handler that's not LeBron that's like actually a point guard. Um, right now they're they're sending out lineups with like Rajon Rondo a point guard and uh, that's kind of fallen off for them. Um, they're they're starting our good friend Avery Bradley. And we all recall how uh, starting our good friend Avery Bradley can uh, can go for your team, and so uh, yeah, this trade this trade interests me because uh, 
it also incorporates uh the, the milwaukee bucks who uh don't who are flying high right now uh despite the loss uh, over christmas to the philadelphia 76ers but i do think uh i don't know how I, I don't know how you can expect them to be comfortable with eric bledsoe in a playoff setting and so i do wonder like if they'll be looking to move him i don't i don't know if they will but i i, I wonder about it um as for what the Pistons would get, Taylor Horton Tucker, Taylor Horton Tucker is a like just a really odd player. Uh, he's, I think he's got like a he's like a six four, uh, like power forward essentially. Just a guy who's uh, on the shorter side, but with a great wingspan and a very funky game. Um, he played, uh, from what I remember, played uh, pretty well for uh, for the uh, Lakers G League team. Um, obviously Boogie Cousins is just like a, a body. Um, Boogie is still recovering from the uh, ACL tear. And like that is just a, a full on like tragedy. What has happened to Boogie Cousins? One of the one of the forgotten men uh, around the NBA. Um, our good friend Contavious Caldwell Pope back in Detroit. That'd be interesting. Uh, again, the Pistons are kind of swamped at shooting guard, even after this trade where they would trade Rose and Galloway. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they would have a need for a shooting guard. Um, you'd still have like Canard and Svi and uh, you know maybe Kyrie Thomas and uh, if you're playing Jordan if you're ch- playing Jordan Bone you're playing Bruce Brown some minutes a shooting guard as well um, and so I think that would be a little bit of a hold up um, I don't know if KCP would want to come back to Detroit it's another interesting wrinkle uh, KCP has a has the functional equivalent of a no trade clause because of some bird right issues uh, with the Lakers. If you remember, he keep, he keep, he keeps signing one year deals with the Lakers, and uh, basically he'd have to waive his bird rights um, to in order to get traded. And so that's that's the functional uh, no trade clause. Uh, but uh, the, obviously the headline deal is the the Kyle Kuzma acquisition for the Detroit Pistons. Kuzma is a very divisive player he's a flint native and so uh, there's a segment of the fan base that would obviously be interested in uh, that story the local boy comes home makes good um he's a he's a volume scorer from the wing which is something that the pistons um have not had since you know marcus morris and, and tobias harris he's young he's younger than both of those guys would be um he shot he shot really well from three early on in his career and those numbers have, have kind of dipped um but as you saw, like on the in the Christmas Day game, he's got the potential to to get hot from three and you know pour in fifteen points in a quarter. Um, but he doesn't really offer much uh, ad- much in the way like additional to that. Um, he's not an excellent passer. He's not an excellent uh, rebounder. Um, he's not an excellent uh, defense. He's a marginal defensive player, and so um, he is a he is a prospect and a good one, but but a flawed one. And I think on the on the high end of what you could expect uh, in a trade for uh, Derrick Rose or, or Langston Galloway, uh, definitely. I I don't I think this this fake trade kind of falls apart um, with the Bucks involvement. I don't think the Bucks uh, would be looking to swap uh, Eric Bledsoe into like functionally uh, like Derrick Rose. Uh, as for like if you just kind of narrow this down if you eliminate the bucks and think of this as like a headline deal like just kuzma for rose um i think the lakers would be definitely interested in derrick rose but i don't think they would be willing to part with kyle kuzma in order to get him 
Uh, I think Kuzma is really Kuzma is really their last uh, trade piece that's uh, that has any value around the league. I think that they think they could get something better with that trade chip, and I you know wouldn't blame them for doing so. I I, I like the the framework though for the Pistons. I just I wonder about its feasibility. Okay, next fake trade is uh, with the Atlanta Hawks, popular fake trade destination. Uh, this trade has Andre Drummond and Thon Maker to the Hawks for Chandler Parsons, uh, Bruno Fernando, the Nets' 2020 first-round pick, this year's first-round pick from Brooklyn, and a second-round picks from the Hawks in uh, 2022. Um, uh, this trade is this trade is basically a basically a salary dump of Andre Drummond. Um, you trade Drummond for uh, salary ballast in the form of Chandler Parsons, who can't play at all, is kind of shot, but is a big expiring contract. Uh, Bruno Fernando, who is an intriguing young big man, rookie big man uh, out of Maryland for Atlanta, but uh, definitely a guy, excuse me, definitely a guy who uh, is not like a starting caliber center at this time in his career and uh, a Brooklyn pick that uh, Brooklyn looks to be a solid playoff team in the Eastern Conference solidly in the seventh seed uh, just as like clearly without Kyrie Irving uh, but like being held afloat by Spencer Dinwiddie like higher than like the Magic and the Pistons and the Hornets and the Bulls and all those teams but like definitely also below the Raptors and the Celtics and the Sixers and all the other teams above them uh, in the Eastern Conference standings. And so you figure that pick is somewhere in the uh, late teens, early 20s. And so, uh, and then the Hawks 2002 or 2022 second round pick, which um, that's two years from now by the end, you know, with you would expect the Hawks to work something out with Andre Drummond. Um, and so, and at that time, you know, you have a Trey Young, John Collins, Andre Drummond, core that's probably going somewhere that'd be like Trey's like fourth or fifth year and so you would expect that pick to be in the 40s or, or so um this is this this kind of fake trade uh the trade of Dre for a a first and and, and a second um and and, and and a relatively intriguing prospect in, in Fernando essentially is uh kind of the the floor of what I think you would uh, hope for from an, an any Andre Drummond trade. It's at least one not great first round pick, um, at least one uh, interesting prospect, and then uh, the levels of those kind of uh, feed off of one another. The, the better the pick given up, the, the worse the prospect you could expect, and the better the prospect that you give in return for Andre, the worse the, worse the pick. Um, I don't... This isn't like a bad Andre Drummond trade. Um, I... I do think that uh, if Andre, uh, I'm becoming more sympathetic to, to the idea that Andre Drummond opts in to the final year of his contract and that the Pistons trade him uh, in that option year. Um, I said this on, on Twitter. I don't, I don't see who else is going to give Dre $29 million uh, for any single season uh, over the course uh, of his next few seasons. Um, but for off but in and from his perspective um the the you know the four year 90 million dollar or four year 100 
eight million dollar deal or like the even like the four year like 115 million dollar deal that um he could reasonably expect from uh, any team that has the cap space will will be there for him in 2021 even in the more crowded uh free agency season um even you know uh, the big prize of 2021 free agency is, is obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo, but only one team will be able to sign him anyway. So once you once you get past that, you'll you'll end up in the situation that we've seen before, where a lot of teams clear cap space in order to sign Giannis, and then once Giannis only goes to one of those teams, you you start seeing a lot of other dominoes fall. You start seeing a lot of other guys uh, recoup contracts that uh, you know just. Show the the lack of available or the show the availability of of money uh, in a free agency year such as that, and so like yeah, I think there's a possibility Dre gets traded, uh, and the I, I think the possibility is rising that Dre gets traded and that the framework of a Dre trade is something like this. Uh, we've got one, we've got another uh, fake Andre Drummond trade. Uh, this one was. So kind of an amalgamation from uh, Ty Windish at the uh, at the Eurostep. Uh, Harrison Barnes, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. No, is it Boyan or Bogdan? Whichever one's in Sacramento. I'm sorry. Uh, I think it's Boyan. No, I think it's Bogdan. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Harry Giles, the aforementioned Harry Giles, and uh, Detroit's 2020 second round pick, which the Kings own, and the Kings would get uh, Andre Drummond and Derrick Rose. Um, the Kings are already kind of having buyer's remorse around the Harrison Barnes extension. Surprise, surprise. Uh, the nicest thing you can say about that extension is that it declines in value over over its length. Um, Barnes has uh, Barnes has always just kind of been the player he is. Um, he's uh, you pay a premium for the position he plays on the wing. He plays on the wing relatively effectively. But like not with uh, any force or verve or like uh, there, there's no there's no danger of like Harrison Barnes like uh, breaking out in like his like twelfth year in his uh, it's not his twelfth year he he was in the same draft class as Andre so this is his uh, seventh year or eighth year um, but yeah there's no you 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 know what you're getting with Harrison Barnes and what you're getting you're overpaying for uh, with on this contract however the other thing you're getting is the Bogdanovich, I, I can't remember his name, his first name, um, but that is a really intriguing piece. He's a little bit on the older side. I believe he's already 26. He came over to the NBA late-ish uh, from Europe, but he's a really effective offensive player that would give the Pistons like two wing-sized wings with the ability to create their own shots. Uh, the Bogdanovich is a much better three-point shooter than Barnes. Um, he's a guy who you can like you can run actions with. You can run off uh, floppy sets. Or just a guy you can like park in the corner and tell to make a bunch of open catch and shoot threes, and he can do that. He can definitely do that. But that's not that should you shouldn't uh, limit hit, limit his game just to that. Now, he's he's a really good player. I would be definitely intrigued to see like what he gets on his next deal, and uh, you know what the Pistons would be willing to pay for him. Uh, they also get the aforementioned Harry Giles. Harry Giles is the type of big man I think you should be looking for uh, in an Andre Drummond trade. Young, um, rim running. Uh, showed promise defensively in the doghouse and then uh if the pistons are going to tank if they are going to uh, trade under drummond and lean on an ineffective and uh not super healthy blake griffin 
it would be beneficial to get their own second round pick, which looks like it could be like in the high thirties like that. That'd be pretty good or in the low thirties, sorry, in the low thirties, but that's still a pretty good pick to pick up. And then for the Kings from their perspective, uh, they've long had interest in Andre Drummond. They, uh, they believe like not without merit that Andre Drummond and Marvin Bagley could play next to one another. Um, that'd be big for that. They'd have, uh, Drummond would be a really effective pick and roll partner with De'Aaron Fox. Um, and then, you know, uh, Drummond would also just kind of be, he would definitely be uh, in his, in the place you would want him to be in the pecking order on that team, like behind Fox and behind Bagley. Um, I think they would rely on him a lot more uh, defensively. Uh, then they would rely on him about as much as this current Piston team relies on Andre to stop everything defensively. But the Kings, you know, between, between Fox, uh, between, uh, uh, Corey Joseph, who would still be there, uh, between like, um, I guess they're giving up both wings. So, uh, whoever they're, they're between like a Rashawn Holmes or whatever, like they, they would have a lot of, uh, other options besides Andre to, to cut off perimeter, uh, penetration and, and make him a more effective defensive player. Um, I don't like, and, and, you know, you get Derek Rose, Derek Rose makes Corey Joseph superfluous. And so you, you probably flip Joseph someplace else. Um, Joseph makes a lot of money for what uh, he's currently capable of. He's a great energy guy, but like can't really direct an offense and isn't like, is an okay catch and shoot threat. But like you need another uh, you need another ball handling guard next to Corey Joseph to make him as effective. And so you, you see why uh, you wouldn't be interested in keeping him if you've got both uh, Fox and Rose. This would be, this would be an interesting trade. I like, I like uh, getting, getting Bogdanovich and getting Giles and getting your own second round pick like almost makes up for the fact that you're paying Harrison Barnes for as long as you're going to have to pay Harrison Barnes. There's also the possibility that you can flip Harrison Barnes on this contract uh, a year or two for now. Again, his contract Barnes's contract does decline, and so you know when it declines down to like 20 million instead of 24 million, like maybe somebody is more interested in that, you know. And in, and in the meantime, Barnes is not a a bad player, just just an overpaid one. And so uh, you and he could play he could play the three next to Blake Griffin. Um, That'd be kind of a biggish lineup with uh, Bogdanovich, Barnes, and Griffin. But uh, maybe you bring Bogdanovich off the bench like I believe he currently is uh, being done in, in Sacramento. I'm not 100% sure on that, though. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't I, – again, I don't dislike this trade. And, you know, uh, this trade was not necessarily like – I don't think this, this exact framework was uh, proposed by Steve. But this is, again, an example of like it's not – it's not impossible to come up with like reasonable deals for Andre Drummond. Um, and again, like Bog- Bogdanovich and Giles are the young guys, the young, uh, the young, uh, the young pieces in this trade. And so that's why the, the quality of the pick can be lower in an Andre Drummond uh, in this Andre Drummond trade, because the quality of those players is, is a little bit higher. Um, speaking of Steve, last but not least, we have, his favorite trade, uh, the one he spent the most time explaining in the piece. You got Blake Griffin uh, going to the Washington Wizards for Jan Mahimni, CJ Miles, Rui Hachimura, and uh, I believe that's Troy Brown. Troy Brown. Um, 
this this trade's funny to me just because like I don't think the Wizards would ever do this because they they uh, they sound really enamored with Rui Hachimura. Understandably, he's been a very productive player. Um, this is this is just like <laughs> considering what the Pistons gave up to get Blake, um, getting like the dead salary of Jan Mahimni and C.J. Miles, and then like no picks, and then like. Uh, but then you know a high lottery pick in in Rui Hachimura, but a guy uh, the the Wizards all kind of I think have uh, lost a lot of faith in in, in Troy Brown is just uh, yeah that's that's kind of what that's kind of what you would expect in a in a Blake Griffin trade right now. Blake Griffin's trade value is not super high, and so like yeah you would you would have to eat a lot of dead bad money in order to get Blake Griffin off your books. Um, Mahimni is an expiring, I believe, and CJ Miles is not. Um, and so like that that part is at least not bad. At least like at least you don't have another year or two of Mahimni's contract, which is oof, like that would be really bad. But um but yeah, that that this is a great example of how low Blake Griffin's uh, trade value uh, has fallen because of the injuries. Now, on the, you know, on the plus side for the Wizards, you know, if they got Blake, if they sat Blake and got him fully healthy, and all of a sudden they come back in uh, in 2020 with John Wall fully healthy, Bradley Bill fully healthy, and Blake Griffin fully healthy, like that, that sounds really scary. But that's uh, you're again, you're relying on a guys on two guys in Wall and Blake who have had uh, extensive injury uh, issues, and so you you be in much the same position the current Pistons are. And so if this trade were to kind of go down, you'd, you'd be like more, more power to the Wizards. Um, and uh, Rui Hachimura next to Sekou Dumbuya would be like a really interesting one-two uh, wing threat punch. But uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think the Wizards at this time are particularly interested in, in Blake Griffin, which again just goes to show you how far uh, Blake's star has fallen. Okay, uh, the the Pistons this week uh, play the Utah Jazz on Monday. That's going to be a tough one. This this road trip this road trip is just tough, especially especially after losing by you know twenty plus to the Spurs, which is one of the games you maybe hope to sneak on this road trip. Like this, this road trip is going to get real ugly. Um, the Jazz on Monday that looks like a loss. The Clippers on Thursday that looks like a loss. The Warriors on Saturday. This is another one of the games that you kind of hope to swipe, but the uh, the Warriors have been playing better basketball fairly recently. Um, I believe their their defense has kind of normalized. They were they were had they had really bad uh, shot luck. Like opponents were making a lot of like uh, contested shots against them, and I believe that's normalized. And so uh, they they beat the Houston Rockets on Christmas Day in in one of the more entertaining uh, games of the day. Uh, Steve Kerr is still a really good coach. Uh, Draymond Green is still functioning as like the brain of that defense, and so again, you you kind of hope the Pistons are competitive in that game, but don't don't be surprised if they lose that game either. And then uh, with the Warriors on Saturday, you play the uh, the Lakers on Sunday. I don't know what the Pistons did to piss off the basketball gods with the injuries or the schedule makers by playing the Lakers in a back to back like that. There's there like there's uh, unless the Lakers also have a back to back that day and like rest everybody there's there's a zero percent chance the Pistons win that game and and they always play really poorly in Los Angeles for whatever reason so yeah uh, it's looking like a at best a, a one in three week for your Detroit Pistons but 
that is if you're you know on the rebuild that like that's not terrible winning is avoiding the like avoiding the five game losing streaks i think is i think the most important part of uh rebuilding like getting the locker room to a a bad place but not necessarily like a poisonous place is uh i think what you were trying to avoid uh, during the rebuild and you know being really bad on this road trip uh you'll be after this road trip you'll be like 36 or 37 games uh deep into the season um that might that'll offer the front office some clarity at that point there'll be you know double digit games under 500 actually no I, now the the Pistons are now 12 and 22 so i believe they're yeah they're 10 games under 500 now so you know if you're 13 games 14 games under 500 after this road trip it's all of a sudden the uh, early part of january it's looking less and less like you're going to be able to dig out of this hole and make the playoffs like you wanted to at the beginning of the season and so you can adjust you can you can definitively say like hey we we gave it a best effort and and we and we can adjust from here you can hope that the front office gets that sense of clarity as a result of this road trip all right uh that was that was longer than I expected. Thanks for listening, uh, everyone. That was the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Uh, I'm as I'm of course Lazarus Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at LazChance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. I want to thank everyone who submitted uh, their fake trade proposals for this podcast. That's super appreciative and something I think uh, I think we're going to continue because honestly, um, you know the talking about the the day-to-day operations of the pistons is not necessarily as interesting as like wondering what this pistons team could become in the future and and i know that and uh, the fans are well aware of that as well and so like yeah we'll we'll definitely consider that and and talk about that some more uh on the podcast this season uh you can follow my co-host ben gulker who you know again i hope i hope is uh, back in next this time next week on twitter at at br gulker um This has been the Detroit Bad Boys Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week.